Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Then the governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Well, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. We'll be continuing today with uh, our uh, sermons on the Apostles' Creed, and today, as Darcy mentioned, um, the passage or the petition is suffered under Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea from 26 to 36 AD. The Jewish historian Josephus says that after a brutal crushing of a a revolt in Samaria that uh, Pilate was removed from office by Emperor Tiberius Caesar. Now, each of the Gospels, as well as Peter and Paul, make it clear that it was Pontius Pilate who supervised, approved, and the torture and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And so to say, I believe Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, is to say, I believe that the Bible is true and is historically accurate. We live in a world today that is filled with skeptics when it comes to Scripture. Now, even though the names and places and dates and empires and events that are described in the Bible have time and again been proven by historians and by archaeologists to be true, yet skeptics continue to question. But you see, if history never saw a real Jesus, if it never saw a real cross, a real empty tomb, a real Pontius Pilate, then the very center of Christianity would simply be a lie, and our faith would be worthless and we would be believing just a fairy tale. But I don't believe in fairy tales. I believe in a real God who acts in real human history. You know, for many years, skeptics insisted that Pontius Pilate wasn't wasn't a real person, never existed. There was no evidence that there had ever been a Pontius Pilate who was governor of Judea. Then in 1961, In the city of Caesarea Maritima, archaeologists found a stone that was inscribed in a building that said 
Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea. He really lived. He really ruled. And he really sentenced Jesus Christ to death. To say that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate is also to highlight that Jesus walked a radical path of love. A path of love and justice against those who were in positions of power. Jesus, in walking in faithfulness to his Father, ultimately found that the very power structures that he chose to stand up against would take his life. My friends, that's always the risk of love and the danger of walking faithfully with God. But that is the very path that God calls each and every one of us to walk. Under Roman occupation, the Jewish authorities could not execute anyone. And so when Jesus, or when they passed sentence on Jesus for his blasphemous claims that he was God, they passed him on to Pilate for action. Now in Matthew 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail in his defense of Jesus, and to avoid an uprising, he took water, and he symbolically washed his hands, and then turned to the multitude and said, I'm innocent of this just man's blood. Pilate tried to wash his hands of the responsibility of rejecting Jesus. But all he did was simply give the green light for the judicial murder of a man that he believed was not guilty, just to keep the crowd happy. And Pilate saw this as good government. But as the creed will forever remind us, Pontius Pilate is also guilty. In terms of the Apostle Creed, we jump quickly from Jesus' birth to his death with one, over, or one intervening clause. It says, Jesus' whole ministry, that portion of his life that we read about in Scripture, is contained in these words. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. What these words mean is that Jesus took the punishment we deserve. He bore the pain, rejection, and wrath of God for our sin in our place in order that Jesus and Jesus alone could reconcile us back to God. Apart from Jesus and his death and resurrection, we would be in a hopeless state. We would be lost forever. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and the Lord has laid the iniquity of us on Jesus. That truth, said the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20, made this comment from him. He said, The Son of God, the Son of God, loved me and gave himself for me. Ever think about those words? God Almighty so loves you that he gave his very life for you. And then said Paul, so God forbid that I should ever glory in anything except in the cross of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thus Pilate's question in Matthew 27 is also our question. What then should I do with this Jesus who is called to Christ? Pilate thought he could simply ride the fence, that he could simply wash his hands of the whole matter. 
But my friends, to do nothing is actually to do something. Not to act is to act. One-third of the synoptic gospels and one-half of the gospel of John is devoted simply to the last week of the life of Jesus Christ. You ever think about that? A third of the synoptics, one-half of the gospel of John is devoted to the last week of Jesus' life. That's how important that last week is. The central focus of the Gospels is on Jesus dying on our behalf. The death of Jesus Christ is mentioned roughly 175 times in the New Testament, reminding us that Jesus Christ was born to die to die for you, to die for your sins, but also for your future glory. In 1893, a world parliament of religious people was held in Chicago. It was the very first attempt to try to create a global dialogue of faiths. Representative of all the world's major religions made their appearance. They made speeches, they read papers on their various religions, values, and ideals and ideas. When Joseph Cook, a minister from Boston, began to speak, people wondered what could be claimed for Christianity that had not already been claimed by all of these other faiths. Cook began by describing a scene from Shakespeare's play Macbeth. You see, Macbeth and his wife had murdered King Duncan in order that they might ascend the throne. And then Lady Macbeth had arranged to frame the king's sleeping guards for that murder by planting daggers in their arms and then covering their hands and their face with the blood of the king. By the end of the play, Lady Macbeth goes mad. And she becomes obsessed with a sense of guilt she continually tries to remove King Duncan's blood from her hands, which she imagines is still there. And she cries out. She says, out, damn spot, out! But that red spot, which is really the guilt in her soul, can't be removed. And then Joseph Cook said, Christianity is the only faith that can ever wash Lady Macbeth's hand. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Mel Gibson's movie, the passion of Christ began with Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crucified for our iniquities. And by his wounds, we are healed. Does hearing that truth make any difference to you? That will be determined by how you choose to respond to Pilate's words. What then should I do with this Jesus, 
was called the Christ. Amen.